and welcome back to another episode of Lost and Down. We are your host. I am Steve. He is Wally. David is finally back here. Before I toss it over to the boys, we want you to know that this episode is brought to you by Tabbies.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market. T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com. Make sure you use promo code FOOTBALL for 20% off that order as well as free shipping. David, I want to toss it to you because it's been a while. Been too long. How the hell have you been? You're on vacation. Tell us all. I've been great. I feels like I haven't been on the podcast since like June, but um, I, you know, the last couple of weeks have been pretty busy. I was in Montana for a week and missed two consecutive podcasts because of that. And then before that, I was just super busy with work, just crazy times at work before that and, and missed one before that. So three in a row, I think, and it feels like 10 in a row. But uh, one thing I will say, Montana, holy shit, boys, if you guys haven't been out there or for anyone listening, if you haven't been out there, Get out there, go see Glacier National Park because that was some of the most beautiful views I've ever seen in my life. And it's not close. And like I, I kept telling everyone, like, if you use the phrase God's country, it redefines it after you've seen the views out there. It's unbelievable. So what were you actually just relaxing? Were you doing like hiking? What were you doing out there? My friend from actually from Walsh, Clark Andrews, um, even before that, we were the Holy Family together, but uh so friend, since as long as I can remember in grade school, he got married at his parents' house up there. Uh, they got married on top of a mountain. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, you had to take the ski lift uh, after hours up to the and top. Enter the Ron Burgundy clip in here. I know that one day Veronica and I are going to get married on top of a mountain. And there's going to be flutes playing and trombones and flowers and garlands of fresh herbs. And we will dance till the sun rises. And then our children will form a family band. And we will tour the countryside and you won't be invited. <laughs> that is. <laughs> it's, that it's is un- but he got married. It's unbelievable. But he got married over the weekend. Um, and so, you know, Montana is not exactly easy to get to. Like that's a, that's, that's realistically probably about six hours of flying from Ohio. So I decided because my girlfriend loves hiking too and loves loves the mountains. So we basically decided we'll turn it into a vacation and we'll go for seven days and we'll sandwich the wedding weekend in between. So we went Wednesday to Wednesday, did hiking in Glacier, Wednesday, Glacier, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then wedding Saturday, kind of like a recovery day on Sunday. And then we went back to Glacier on Monday and Tuesday was kind of like a stay local and, and, another little bit of a recovery day before a relaxation day before traveling back. Dude, that's awesome though. Even just looking at the pictures that you were sharing, whether it be on Snapchat, Instagram, or whatever, it doesn't really do it justice. I'm sure. But oh, even God, no. from those pictures, it looked surreal. You would literally be looking at like, you know, you're sitting, you you hike three miles to this lake in the middle of the mountain. And, you know, you're, you're staring at these views that are straight out of like a painting or like a postcard or something. You get out your phone, you take a picture, and you're like, this isn't what I'm looking at. <laughs> like, what, yeah. What's the disconnect here, right? Like, this just isn't what I'm staring at. It's beautiful. Like, I've, I've never gone far that out west. Like, the furthest I've gone is Colorado, and that's gorgeous. I was supposed to go to Wyoming, and that got butchered by COVID. But it looked, like you said, anytime you're out there, it literally looks like a painting. It looks fake. It feels like you're in the Truman Show, and you're just looking for the cameras. Like, where are they recording me? There's no way this is real. I'm jealous. How was the altitude? 
I always like asking that question. First day was brutal, man. First day we did like a, I think it was like 1600 feet of elevation hike, but we were already at the top of going to the sun road. So you drive all the way up a mountain. Then you're doing this hike where you're gaining another 1600 feet of elevation. First day I was dying. It was like, and it was all steps. Like it was all steps to a view. And so like every like flight of steps, I'm dying. I'm like, I gotta take like a break. Uh, I feel yeah. bad because I feel like I'm holding people up. They're like, no, no, this is great for us too. I'm like, no, this is terrible. This is flat out. They're like, I oh, will get used to it. I'm like, I, I don't think I will. Like I'm dying. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I know I'm a big guy. I feel like I'm dying inside. But no, after after the first day, it was actually, you know, you you really do get um, acclimated to it pretty quickly. So it wasn't first day. It was pretty bad because you're just the shock but everything else was, oh, it yeah. was easy. well i like it because well makes the beers go down smoother and, and it only takes you a few more or less to kind of start feeling them so that's always the best yeah that's a fact i know we we've all been enamored by david and and his adventures over here the past couple of weeks but how have you been what's the update on walter doing real well i'm pretty excited i'm on uh, the way up to wisconsin this weekend if you guys are seeing any of the clips that's why I am actually not in my room right now. I'm actually in South Bend, Indiana on my way up to Wisconsin just for an unplug weekend. A lot of football, just chilling out. I'm really excited for it. I mean, Wisconsin, we, we all three of us are very pro-Wisconsin people, but there's a lot yes. of people out there that don't know a lot about the state. And it's truly, again, it's a gorgeous state. There's a ton of stuff to do. All the misdemeanors of it only being cheese, like farmland and all that it's a joke it's a gorgeous place and i can't wait to watch some badger football up there in in the great state of wisconsin well, steven how about your osu no of course not on OSU like that no it's all about the gambling days and, and we'll be getting to that here today as well but new mexico state plus 37 it's the easy play the badgers can't score 37 points in a game thank you i'll take the free betting advice any way that i can me uh i got a whole bunch of nothing as I was talking about Monday, I've just been patiently waiting to reset up my Sunday afternoon here, uh, full of games with my team with the Sunday night game. Is it me or are you guys anti-Sunday night or Monday night games? Like, yes, I get it. Under the lights, it's really fun. But I hate when my team plays on those 830 games because I'm ready to go to bed halfway through the first quarter. You're more of the like the early go-to-bed person, though. I'm like a night owl, so it doesn't bother me. Like, tonight – we're going to be recording this right now. It is about six o'clock. We're going to finish. I'll record or edit while that Amazon Prime game is going on, which we'll get into that too. That's crazy to me. But I'm like going to be fired up. I'm going to be up until like 1 a.m. anyway. So this is no problem to me. Are you going to be able to get the game in there since it's on Amazon Prime? Right on this bad boy. Mid-edit. Going to be watching right on the phone. I wonder if you can airdrop it onto your TV. You know what? You just found out what Apple Wallet is. Yeah, I know I, that's beyond me. Don't worry about me. <laughs> <laughs> With that, let's get into some little NFL news before we get into our week two preview and what our picks are going to be. Kick it off with a little bit of the recap on the Monday night game. Russell Wilson goes into Seattle and catches an L from the 12th man and Wally's boy, Geno Smith. Fuck that guy. I know David's with me here. I don't know how they do it. The biggest thing that everyone's talking about is Nathaniel Hackett 
not allowing his 240 plus million dollar quarterback stay in on a fourth and five after letting 20 seconds tick down to call a timeout to inevitably kick a 64 yard field goal that you missed twice once because they they were trying to ice the kicker second time he missed all in all Russ went back to Seattle. He received the booze, which I thought was very surprising. David, let's get this rust off first, baby. I'm going to toss it to you. What were your well, thoughts about Russ going back to Seattle and catching a loss? Honestly, kind of surprised. Uh, I thought the Broncos would start a little hotter, but yeah. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Russell Wilson played at all with that team during the preseason. Nope. I, I don't think he played a single drive with the team during the preseason, which he wasn't showing a lot of rust, but could have been part of the reason why they didn't look as stellar as everyone thought they were going to come out of the gates as the 64 yard field goal thing. I have to imagine if you know, your kicker can hit that distance. Like, you know, we've seen Cade York for the Browns hit a 70 yarder in practice, right? You're never going to intentionally line them up at, at 64 yards and hope they can hit a game winner. But I have to imagine that knowing they've probably hit, at a pretty good rate from that distance in practice, you're probably more comfortable kicking that field goal than going for a Hail Mary play. I realize Aaron Rodgers has made a career out of the Hail Mary, but realistically that play so very rarely works. So very rarely does the jump ball in the end zone work. Usually takes a freakazoid sized wide receiver or a really, really lucky, you know, placement of a, a ball bounces around on some hands there a little bit and some guy is on the outside ready to run it in right so looking back yeah it's it's a bad decision hindsight 2020 but at the same time if you're in the game 64 in this day and age for a, a kicker probably hittable way less at a rate than anything else but like probably a better statistical chance than than the hail mary pass uh like a 50 yard hail mary um, but also because I know Wally's going to hammer me into the ground, Geno Smith is not good just because you can throw a six yard pass and rack up 23 of them and still go under 200 yards passing does not mean you're a good quarterback. It's it's he's trash. Drew Locke's still better. And I can't wait for Drew Locke to start later this season to, to prove it. He took the Alex Smith approach. You got to respect that. Just dink and dunk central. I mean, he's got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and we can't break 200 yards passing on 23 of 28. Like, that's that's shameful. Wally, before you hop in here, I was in an auction draft for fantasy football, and I've never done one before. And DK Metcalf was up, and so I kept hitting the add a dollar button because I thought I was going to bait someone into accidentally getting him. No, I got screwed. I ended up getting DK Metcalf. That dude's going to ride my bench for the year because I cannot trust Geno Smith. Walter. Where to even begin here? So first of all, let's, <laughs> let's warm up. Let's warm up. We're going we're gonna to just put our toe in the water. I'll give David some credit. Great point on bringing up him not playing in preseason. I believe I saw that there were 11 quarterbacks that didn't play in the preseason this year. And those teams were something like three and eight week one. It's a different approach, but they're going to try to warm up the, throughout the year. I wouldn't panic about it if you're a Denver fan by any stretch of the imagination. Well, not to interrupt you, but also it's not like you played poorly. Like Russell Wilson played well. I just think there's something, to be said, there's something to be said for how well your team jives based on how much they've practiced together. Right. So you're absolutely right. They'll warm up, but I just wanted to say that. No, for sure. And, 
going to the second thing though, the talking about the field goal. I mean, this wasn't exactly like the Hail Mary opportunity or like the Hail Mary argument for me because it's fourth and five. If you get a seven-yard completion, you still have time to spike. And yet at this point, you have multiple timeouts. You have the sideline you can use. So it's all for me. You trust the guy that you went out and gave a quarter of a billion dollars to over put, trotting out your kicker for a field goal that's only ever been made in the NFL one time. It happens all the time in practice. But in a game environment, it's just like anything when you actually bring the physics into it. Yeah, the leg is a big deal, having that distance. But when you're kicking from that far, there's no room for error. If you even miss a little, pull a little, push a little, it's not going. And we saw it with Cade York. He actually curved that back in in week one, had a million leg on it. Nobody was doubting that thing was going to get there. It was just, is it going to be straight? So for me, I think that, credit that Nathaniel Hackett for owning up to it, but I, I, you got to trust the guy you just went out and mortgaged your franchise's future for. What did you think of this press conference of, oh yeah, now that I know next time or whatever, like we'll, we'll put Russ in that situation. You know, I'd rather him own up to it, right? He sounded so stupid. Well, it's better than the Hugh Jackson routine, which is, you know, I, I got to watch the tape and like just defy <laughs> oh, my offensive coordinator's decision. Uh, but, you know, like the, I'd rather have like, to Wally's point, you know, he owns up to it. He's he's a first-time head coach, right? Yes. Right. You know, you're going to have errors like that. And, yeah, hindsight 2020, they look stupid as hell. That You know, that's a rookie mistake. But you know what? The team looked pretty good overall. Like, if that's his bad decision, if that's their, you know, their one, hey, we're never going to do that again, like – Okay, so be it. But you know what? He owned up to it. He said, you know what? That was a bad choice. Like, won't happen again. Broncos now win this weekend. with that Geno Smith. Well, before that, but if the Broncos win this weekend, what's going to happen? Nobody's going to be thinking about it. It's all move on. Everybody's happy, hunky-dory. Things are great. Right. Geno Smith. Sucks. <laughs> so bad. Geno Smith. This guy in this game look completely in control. You know that this is not going to be a team that is going to blow anybody out there. We have asked from the beginning, this has been a Geno Smith puts you in a position to win games. It puts your, gives your defense a chance to win games. And then on Monday night, not only did he do that, they had the ball almost nine minutes fewer because of how well Russell Wilson and them were moving the ball. If it wasn't for a couple red zone turnovers, Geno Smith, those yards look a lot different. Not to mention there were several, at least one uh, pass interference penalty that negated what would have been a 30, 35-yard catch had the tight end not dropped the ball as well. He looked sharp. He looked in control. This is one game, but I'm telling you, it is signs of this is a guy that can be a very low-end starter in this league. This is a guy that can lead the Seattle Seahawks to a 7-10, 8-9 record. And that was not something we thought was possible three weeks ago for either of these guys. That's where I'm at. Geno Smith. Well, what's hurting them now sucks. Now, what's hurting them now is something that we want to add to this story is Jamal Williams just ended up having season-ending surgery here with what? He had a torn quad. It was a a wicked nasty injury. Looking at it, seeing him kind of limp off and his knee giving out, but he ends up getting season-ending surgery. He's out for all 2022. And a lot of those guys, at least the one defensive guy we saw interviewed after, who threw a little shot at Russ saying, all I have to say is let's ride. 
he was talking about how he's such a catalyst for that team. He's going to miss them. This defense already has a lot of question marks, but now they arguably lose their best player. What did you think about the Jamal Adams injury, Wally? It's naturally, it's going to be a huge blow. It felt like they were finally using him correctly. And that's kind of where you almost get extra frustrated. But I, again, this is, it's a team that has good coaching. I really like, we saw last week, I think uh, Yuchenna Wosu won defensive player of the week of all the NFL. He's a guy that's going to be able to continue to kind of survive under people's radars. It's a, it's a talented defense. It's not the defense that we're used to in Seattle, but they're going to be more than good enough to, to win a few games. It's like we just said, though, they're, I mean, the Seahawks, at the end of the day, this season's not going anywhere. No, I, I, I feel the exact same, but I also feel like I'm so tired of hearing Jamal Adams' name in really any discourse at all because – and I, here's the thing. I I will be very tough on people, but, like, I never want to see guys injured ever. Like, I, I feel terrible for the guy, right? But I also feel like I haven't seen him as an elite player in three-plus years. Like, I don't – I haven't seen him as the guy who came out of college and, you know, was that hybrid safety linebacker, like dominate the defense player. I feel like I haven't seen that in three plus years. Now he's had injuries. He had pretty rough go of it with the jets to end it all. But I don't know. I feel like I'm tired of talking about Jamal Adams and hyping up Jamal Adams because I feel like he's just, He's a above average safety at this point in his career. And it's not like we're talking about a top three player at the position going down, making a significant effect on a defense. It's not like TJ Watt for the Steelers, right? Like it's not a guy who literally impacts the whole team when he gets hurt. I mean, all he's really done over the last, what, since being in Seattle, he just led safeties or DBs and sacks or set the record. It's like, cool. That's, that's kind of what we want you to do, but we also need some other things on the end. And like you said, being, the best ability is availability, and that seems slim to none when when he's been in Seattle. Talking about not paying safeties, congrats. We I'm not a big fan of it. I know Wally's kind of on the fence, but at least we don't have another Earl Thomas situation here where he's flipping the bird to Pete Carroll when he's getting carted off. At least the dude got paid, and that can make you feel a little bit better. True. You're muted, Walter. Get in here. I was just going to say, I suppose. As far as, like, there's elite safeties – he doesn't deserve in the same conversation as guys like Derwin James and Mika Fitzpatrick. But again, who knows what we could have seen this year now that a team has finally started using him appropriately. Next year, maybe we can start talking about Jamal Adams again as a high premier player in the league, but he he really doesn't deserve it right now. I mean, how pissed is he? He went to the Jet, he left the Jets so he can go to a winning team, and then he goes to the Seahawks when Russ leaves. That's rough. Yeah, that's a brutal transition. But also, I mean, Jamal Adams is that player, to Wally's point, if he's put in the right role, he could look elite again. But he he is not an elite player without the proper defensive scheme. And that's that's just the flat-out truth. We'll keep it on with the injury train here. We had some, some updates here with T.J. Watt and Dak Prescott. We started off with Dak. Had the hand surgery. Everything's good to go. Looks like they are not placing him on IR quite yet. So they're kind of hopeful that maybe he can be recovered faster than that, what, six to eight weeks originally. Maybe they're looking at four, someone around there. I believe eight, week eight is their bye week, so that's going to give him a little, little bit of cushion as well. He's young, 29. Dude's going to be able to heal a lot quicker. We have Cam Akers coming back from an Achilles injury in six months. I'm sure that Dak can get this going. Cooper Rush 
and Will Greer, which I thought they I thought the Cowboys cut them about a month ago. Apparently, they're still there on the roster. Do you take this chance with Dak and get him back speedy just for the sake of maybe this could be the season when everyone knows it's not? What do you do with this quarterback, David? I got to be honest. You already paid, like, from Dak's perspective, you already paid, like, he's already paid. There's really no, yeah. there's there's no punishment for him getting back too early. Like, if his career ended at the end of the season because he came back too early and had some horrific injury, right? Like, God forbid that doesn't, that that happens. Like, hope it doesn't, obviously. But, like, he comes back too early, not really a problem. If you're a competitor, you want to be back on the field and help your team win. But from a GM's perspective, man, I have a hard time. Dak's out six weeks. There's no, I, Dallas go, I don't know what their schedule looks like offhand, but let's say they go two and four. At what point are we admitting this team's not a Super Bowl team? And at what point are we kind of pushing for better draft position? And again, as a GM, I got to think about that because I'm, I'm, my hands are tied in the running back room with like, $25 million a year going to to Zeke and and um, Pollard, you know, I got to think about where I can't go out in free agency and spend a boatload of money. So I got to replenish in the draft, right? So if I can go out and get an elite player, if if we say, hey, you know what, Dak, we don't want to rush you back, like maybe miss 10 weeks instead of four, five, six, like I, I from a GM's perspective, I kind of prefer that even if the fans get mad. I kind of want the better draft position because there's a lot to replenish on that team through the draft. And there's a lot of great stuff about that team, but like they're feeling pain points because they overpaid a lot of players. They should have never overpaid. By the way, it doesn't matter what their record is. One in 15, 15 and one. That's a Super Bowl winning team in Jerry Jones's mind. I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, he's a psychopath. That's why, but yeah. This is why owners that are GMs is a problem. Dak Prescott, yes, he's young. He wants to come back. He's a competitor. Jerry Jones, he's not young. He's 79 years old. He's the GM of this team. And I think as sad as this might be to sound, it makes it sound like I'm making light of it. He doesn't, he knows his days on this earth are numbered. He wants to see a championship in Dallas. So he is willing to do whatever he can do to make that happen. And he's going to push Dak Prescott. We saw what happened last year in Cleveland and what happened to Baker Mayfield. These guys are competitors. They want to play. They don't know what's best for their bodies or what's best for their team. They think they can overcome their own hurdles that physically are unable to be beaten. Instead of being smart, where every doctor in the world has told him, this is a six-week injury, they're talking about 10 days, giving him 10 days before he's throwing the ball, a ball in practice again. That is Ridiculous. I'd be nervous about McCarthy too. He's the only one for once. He's making sense. He's saying, I don't want him at practice. I don't want him there because he understands if he comes back and he gets hurt early, Jerry Jones isn't going to remember, remember on his 80th birthday, who was trying to talk him off the ledge with Dak Prescott. It's going to be, we aren't winning. We should have won with Cooper Rush. We should have won with Will Greer and you didn't. You're gone. Let me call up my buddy down there in New Orleans. Ooh, Sean Payton making a making a comeback. Well, that's what you get when you're when you're looks like your physical trainer's bomb dibido from uh from fairly odd parents. So of course he thinks it's gonna be 10 days. That dude looks ridiculous. TJ Watt. Oh, David, this is coming right to you, bud. I know, I know how much uh how much love this is. So TJ Watt, 
placed on IR. So he's going to be expected to be out for those six weeks. No surgery is going to be needed, as we were talking about here on Monday. And that's how long the recovery process and going through physical therapy is going to take around that six weeks. So anywhere probably from four to six weeks, because something in that Watt family is ridiculous. I know I want to toss it to you, David. What do you think about the Watt injury? But I really want to get your two cents about uh, that that little cheap hit that we saw he give to Joe Burrow and, and karma coming right back and tearing his pack. Look, karma always wins, but shit, six weeks isn't enough for, for TJ Watt. That hit, on, and for anyone listening, if you haven't seen the, the Bush League hit on Joe Burrow, PM one of us on any social media and we'll find it for you. I, I think it's a, after Burrow just throws an interception, one of his four that day, and Watts on the ground, gets up, specifically lowers his shoulder as Joe Burrow is, quote-unquote, chasing down a player that he has no intention of actually chasing down and tackling. I have a really hard time with players who are five times the size of a quarterback, and and that that's just you're intentionally trying to hurt him. At that point, that's just a Bush League. It's a Bush League play. Karma got him. He tore his pack. But from TJ Watts' perspective, again, I guess this is not really from his perspective, but from a fan's perspective, uh, I watched JJ Watt have one injury like this and not play again for, you know, like more than four games a season for like three consecutive years. And I got to be honest, if you watch that happen to your brother, why would you rush back on the field knowing the Steelers team is winning nine games at most? Even if you even if you're the most diehard Steelers fan ever, if you believe you're winning more than nine games, you're just you belong in a, an institution. It's just that simple. Why rush back? Like why I would I would actually look for this. I, I understand that he went and saw like three specialists. I probably would have went with the guy who said, hey, long term injury surgery will repair it slow rehab process. You're out for the season. But hey, we'll get this repaired and and won't happen again. Right. I just I have a hard time with people like this rushing back from injury with a familial, especially with the familial relation. Didn't JJ Watt tear his pack two yes. seasons in a row? Like well, I don't know seasons. about two, but I know that he's torn his pack. He's torn his pack. He's had so many ridiculous injuries. I can't. But it keep started up with, with a torn pack. Like he was out. You know, he's the yep. best defensive end in in the NFL by far. By far, it wasn't even close. And then all of a sudden, he had one injury. Then he was out for the season. Then the next season, he plays like three games out for like, I think this is how it was, out for like eight, comes back for two, out for the rest of the season. Then the following season, it was like play six, out for season. And then he got healthy again, but like wasn't the same player. Great player, but wasn't the same player. I don't know, man. If I see my brother in that, you know, you got the same genetics, the exact same genetics, if anything else. There are two people exactly like it's these two freakazoids. That's an injury where rehab, something like that, where you're just rehabbing it and you're hoping it heals inside. I'm no doctor. I'm no physical therapist, but feels like that's more likely to re-injure it doing all the physical activity and, and motions and workouts and everything that you're doing daily for eight months a year. It feels like you're more likely to re-injure yourself if you don't get it surgically repaired. But again, I'm no doctor. He saw, you know, probably the best doctors in the world. So I could just be totally wrong and, and an idiot. But it's just from from the surface being a, a moron fan, it just feels like, you know, why bother rushing? You have PTSD from Baker, that's why. Facts. That is a fact. And it's not like, I just, why rush back? Just if you're paid, it's one thing if you're in a contract year and you're that caliber of player. But, like, 
shit, why rush back if you're not? All I have to say is take the decisions from players. It goes the same with the quarterbacks we just talked about. Protect them from themselves. The words of wisdom, I love it. I'm trying out here, guys. I got Geno Smith love. I've got anti-player coming back from injury, and I'm pro Brownie the Elf at midfield, which first time people don't know for some reason that this is such an ingrained part of the Cleveland Browns history. They think that this just came up overnight. They think it's something that Browns fans should be ashamed of from everything I've seen. I haven't met seen a Browns fan that hasn't been completely thrilled about this. I think it's instantly one of the top five midfield logos. It's a great logo in general. Maybe you don't throw it on the helmet, but I love Brownie the elf. Bring me Brownie the elf. I'm all about Brownie the elf. I just want brownies now. It's better. They they haven't even you haven't even had a center logo in the field for how for as long as I can remember, right, David? Like that's just usually blank or with like an NF just an NFL. Yeah, that's logo, like a so. basic logo. It's never been because because our logo dog really, there once, right? Yeah, but like our our logo has really just always kind of been the helmet. You're not gonna yeah. paint a helmet in midfield, and you got your name in each end zone. So like. I don't know. It, 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 Brownie the Elf, though, big fan. Had Legend. no idea when they released the image and they're like, there's an elf forming. It was upside down and I was looking at it and I was like, I, this looks like a pirate riding a pig is what I thought it was at first. <laughs> and then somebody flipped it around for me. And I'll send, like, I will share the image with, like, well, I'll post it to social media, the original one I saw. If you don't flip it around, and you really look at it like just a quick glance. It literally looks like a pirate riding a pig. Put that I don't on know, Wally. When I first brought it up, I don't know if Wally saw it too, but I, it's like I ignored the whole conversation because I was like, "That doesn't look like an elf to me." And then my dumbass had to flip it around. And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> there <laughs> we go." It, that reminds me. That I know you guys aren't hockey fans, but like the Minnesota Wild logo. I think I've told you this, Stephen, and I think you've made fun of me before. It literally is some kind of predatory, I guess maybe like a cat, like in shape, but they have like wilderness inside. For the longest time, I never saw the damn cat logo. I'm just like, this is There's so stupid. Yeah, like Google the Minnesota Wild logo. And I truly, when I first saw it for like 10 years, all I saw was what was inside. I'm like, that's the dumbest fucking logo I've seen in my entire life. Holy instead, shit. Yes, it's got like some kind of predator cat kind of face that it's filling in. And I'd never noticed. But that's what, what I, I get it, David. No am shame. I looking at? If you had never oh told me God. that, I wouldn't have been looking for it. And I think I would have done the same thing. Thank you. Thank you. I've been getting criticized. It must be by like hockey friends of mine or something. I am freaking I never out right now. <laughs> How are you guys staying so calm? This I'm is not. this is who I am. Oh my god! This I mean this this wild logo has jumped. Up. I need to get this off my hat. I didn't realize that it was a little kitty cat. That's nice. Thank you. So what? I, you guys so are making me it, feel so much better. So what is it? What kind of animal is it? I don't know. It's a wild animal, obviously. Minnesota wild. Oh I got yeah, there's only you. one breed of those. Um, their logo <laughs> to the Minnesota wild pretty much painted themselves. Okay. Now See, I'm glad like, that this, this came up. So we have a, a pirate riding a pig. Bear with face tattoo. See? What the I, I fear I nothing wrong. I need it. I like that. I, I love the Brownie the Elf edition. Now I'm gonna be, I'm gonna criticize. I don't like the whole football, like him kind of doing like a stiff arm. Where's the old just classic Brownie the Elf? Where he's just sitting there looking all happy, like, sup bitches, 
I'm the one you guys have been talking about. They're putting a picture of me in the center logo. I mean, I like it's futuristic. It looks kind of looks kind of like anime esque, but I want the old school one in there. You know, you got to spend millions of dollars on a marketing firm in the NFL. You know, that's what they came up with. But uh, right. for to to just touch on what Wally said earlier, where it came out of nowhere, there was probably a solid thirty years where the elf was not even existent in Brown's like Thanks, art model higher and, and whatever. But that, that first came up in, I think like 1946, I think was the year that they introduced like the elf and the gridiron and, and whatever to the Browns franchise. But like, I don't know how long it stayed around, but it feels like probably from like 1980 till 2000, I don't know, 15, it was just like not even a semblance of what they were going to put on a tire. And then all of a sudden it was like, let's bring the elf on the hat. Let's throw it out. Like then everyone's like, yes, like that's sweet. It's not just a brown hat with a C like I'm in. <laughs> yes. This, this little guy fucks. I'm about it. <laughs> I'm just, we killed Hitler and we rewarded ourselves with Brownie the elf and Art Modell <laughs> took it away. <laughs> that right. bothers me another reason to hate art <laughs> exactly i get why the guy peed i'm not saying do it but i get why i pissed on the grave let's keep this energy going that wraps us up with our nfl news let's get into the week two picks before we do that we want you to know that week two nfl picks is brought to you by abby turner creative your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding high-end photography fashion and more especially if you're david wally and i's age where it feels like there's college graduations engagements weddings baby pictures you name it happening every single weekend abby turner creative is the only way to go check her out for yourself on abbyturnerphoto.com that's abby a-b-b-e-y or on her instagram saw dad and sapphire again abby turner photo dot com wally kick us off with our horrible records all right i will absolutely do that so i was actually surprised at how it could have been a lot worse after the one o'clock slate last Honestly, week i was i was pumped looking at this i was like no fucking way not the unit the record though i was about the four o'clock slate away from moving to canada not talking about this podcast and they'd have to figure it out for themselves luckily for us four o'clock saved us Record-wise, 18 and 16 for me, 18 and 17 for Steven. If you're using $10 per unit, you would have lost about 11 bucks for me. You would have lost about 20 bucks with Steven. But this week is different, and I'm going to tell you why. We're never going to lose another bet. That's no. the reason. I, I mean, there's not really a good reason. I was trying to think of a reason. That's it. We're just not going to lose a bet anymore. And there's – okay, many of you at home are at very least familiar with the podcast Part in My Take – and they have a unique segment they do where they call it time traveling when they're not able to recap a game. We're not going to be able to give you, or you're not going to be able to hear our previews for this game until after it's over. So before we actually pick up this game, I need you to tell me if you travel into the future, how does tonight's Kansas City Chiefs and Los Angeles Chargers game end? Who wins? And if you got a bet on it, you might as well tell us. But that's all I need to hear right now. Steve, we'll start with you. You've been so nice to throw everything out so far. What the hell's going on out here? Los Angeles Chargers against the Kansas City Chiefs. So Chiefs three and a half point favorites. The total set at 54 and a half. Chiefs are going to be without Keenan Allen. JC Jackson's still questionable in the game time decision. So I don't even know if he he still hasn't that news hasn't even came out yet. 
These games are must-see TV. Now, both these matchups did end in six-point victories for either of the teams. They did split it here last year. So this line is kind of throwing me off. But if you guys have been listening, I am a huge advocate of taking that plus three and a half, that hook of over the field goal in divisional matchups, and I'm going to take it here. I like Kansas City and what they can do. Let's see how that defense matches up and let's see if Khalil Mack can do what he does best, as you, as you can look behind me, as well as Bosa. And Justin Herbert, he's that dude. He's going to keep this in this game. I still see it as a two to three point victory for the Kansas City Chiefs. Give me the Chargers plus three and a half. Kansas City money line. David, who do you got, my man? Until the Chiefs are not an unstoppable force, I will take the Chiefs. I'll take the four and a half for the Chiefs, and I'll take the over on 54 and a half. I can see this game being just an insanely high scoring game. Kansas City offense remains unstoppable, even without Tyreek. I think. Keenan Allen being out maybe slows down the Chargers enough for the Chiefs defense to make a difference. But all in all, I mean, this game, if you told me this game ended 41-31, would I be shocked? Not at all. These two teams are are extreme firepower, and I just have more faith in the Chiefs because it feels like every year they're the Super Bowl favorite. You guys are smarter than me because I should be following what I said all offseason, and that is everybody's down the Chiefs don't they have Patrick Mahomes I'm going to go completely against what I said though and last week really shocked me not that Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa were really good it was how good they were complementing each other I think that they cement themselves as the best tandem pass rushers in the game tonight and I think that the Chargers not only cover I think they're going to surprise people and they're going to win this game on the road they get the fortunate part of not having to go to KC when it's all mucky and shitty in November. Like it seems like they typically do. I think, like you said, David, very good chance. This is like a 41 38 kind of game, but I'm going to go with the bolts tonight. I think it's going to happen. Give me Khalil Mack and Joy Bosa. They get it done. Washington is traveling to Detroit where Detroit is a one and a half point favorite total set at 48 and a half. Lions DeAndre Swift and Washington's Jonathan Allen are both questionable in this game. Those are a big couple potential losses. Dave, we'll go to you first on this one. Are you buying into the Lions hype? Or do you think maybe, like me, who knows, that Lions fans are going to continue to get what they're used to? So let me start out with a disclaimer saying this is where we start saying don't trust anything I say. Don't bet based on what I'm telling you. I everything I'm saying from here on out is without a doubt going to be wrong. That's just the way my life works. Anyways, I am buying into the Lions heist hype. Detroit gave the Eagles, who I think everyone was pretty high on coming into the season. Uh, they gave the Eagles a run for their money. Uh, what was that like 38, 35 or something that game? I didn't think Detroit was capable of scoring 35 points at the start of the season. So that's I'm pretty shocked by that. Frankly, I think the Eagles are probably five times the the talent and team that the commanders are. So, you know, Detroit breaks some kneecaps and and wins it. I, I, I'm taking the Detroit one and a half and, and Detroit money line on there. Well, this doesn't make me feel any better, David, because I'm also taking the Lions minus one and a half. Let me say that again. I am taking the Detroit Lions who are one and a half point favorites. I have to say that shout out to Butson and Brock. I don't think they've ever heard those words uh, in their lifetime. So I, I had to kind of repeat it here, but David kind of just take, takes the words out of everyone's mouth, right? They put up 35 against an Eagles defense that I think is going to be way better than w- what Washington's defense is going to be. And yes, 
what is Detroit's defense looking like giving up 38? Well, we're expecting that Eagles offense to be high flying and, and what they're doing. And I don't know if Carson Wentz gave me enough oomph in that Jack Jacksonville game. Great fourth quarter, Carson Wentz. He had a solid game overall, but you were down to the Jacksonville Jaguars at one point. And outside of a couple throws, you could have lost that game. DeAndre Swift has that ankle injury, kind of rolled it over here this past Sunday. So we'll see what that looks like. I still have full trust in my guy, Jamal Williams, to have a big game, regardless if D Swift is in front of him or if he ends up being the starting guy here. Give me the Detroit Lions minus one and a half and give me that money, that money line. Ford Field, let's ride, like Russ would say. Lions fans, please don't hate me. Don't think I hate you, because I don't. I love the Lions. It's hard. Anybody that is in, in like your division, Stephen, loves the Lions. They're impossible not to root for. I love my I love the Lions too. Th- that's you even a great point. Division. A division opponent, and you're like, God, I've got nothing against them. It's because of their history. And I'm going hard. to bet on their history here. And I'm gonna take Washington minus one and a half in the money line. Last week was emotional. Yeah, the defense for the Eagles gave up a lot of points to this Detroit Lions team. The Detroit Lions defense gave up a whole lot of points against the Philadelphia Eagles, and they took their foot off the gas. I'm going with history until proven otherwise. Hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I will be. We're going to go to another lovable loser. David, you are 1-0 for the first time since 2004. And guess what? You get rewarded. You are a five and a half, scratch that, six and a half point favorite against the New York Jets. Total of 40 and a half. Are you buying in now? Are you on Jay Brisket season? No. I hate, first of all, Brissett, week one, terrible. One of the worst quarterbacks I've ever watched. You don't like a 55% completion percentage? And and that's a lot coming from you, David. You've seen a lot of shitty quarterbacks come through your doors. Literally overhyped. He was terrible. The The first quarter, he could have had three touchdown passes if he could make the throws like there were three clear play and you can go back to the tape i'll pull up the tape i need to watch the tape though i gotta go back and watch the tape playing it till i watch the tape i want to watch the tape i'll watch the tape watch the tape watch the tape well again i'm gonna watch the tape there were three throws where god forbid that was baker mayfield instead of brissette we, there would have been riots in cleveland like i just i'm out on brissette but still but still I think Cleveland has such a loaded roster that I'm taking the the five and a half or, or sorry, six and a half points. I think that this game probably looks like 17-10. I don't think it's a high scoring game. I'm taking the under two on the total score of 40 and a half. And I'm taking Cleveland money line because the Jets scored nine points against the Ravens. The Ravens might as well be a, the Browns with a running back, a quarterback instead of a terrible quarterback. Our defense is as good as the Ravens, if not better in the secondary. I just – Jets maybe score 10. I, I'm giving them 10 points. Like, I'll give them a touchdown because John Johnson's always good for a misread and or a misplay and touchdown, a long touchdown. But, like, it just feels like a 17-10 game to me. So, I'm taking Cleveland at minus 6.5 and, and the money line, and I'm taking the under on total points because this is not – this isn't going to be a high-scoring game at all. But I will say Miles Garrett is probably going to wreak havoc on that Jets offensive line, and I'm really excited for that. This is why I'm happy that we have you on the show, David, because this gives me no reason to purposely watch this game. You're going to watch it. You're going to have all the info to cover it. 
I'm going to want to die during it. Let's, let's make that very clear. <laughs> okay. As long as we're on the same page with that. But like you said, Brown's winning by the skin of their teeth last week. It feels like that, even though it was just one week, that's going to be kind of the trend here while Jacoby Brissett is the quarterback, while they're awaiting the Deshaun suspension here. The Jets are going to be the same way. They're going to be gritty. They're going to, they're going to be in those games that are close to these opponents, you know, like the Browns because of Jacoby. They are far and few between each other. But with Jacoby there, that breaks them down a couple notches. But that defense is going to wreak havoc. Ten points, that's very nice of you to put out there. I I don't think that's going to happen. But I like the Jets covering the six and a half. But I like the Cleveland money line as well. Cleveland's going to squeak this one out of here. Jets are going to go 0-2, begging to have Zach Wilson back. Robert Sala already on the hot seat. I don't think that he should be, but you know, the media in New York and all the NFL is going to be exploiting that very hard. Give me the Jets points, Cleveland money line. Wally, who you got, baby? Robert Sala being on the hot seat and having to say that this is not the same old Jets when unfortunately for him, he is Joe Flacco as the starting quarterback is so unfair. I think that this team will play motivated for him this weekend. And that's why I'm taking the Jets to cover but I don't see them winning any games if you're starting Joe Flacco. The fact that there hasn't been a push from Mike White is unbelievable to me. I mean, Joe Flacco, yeah, his completion percentage looked good last week. Everything was short. We want to talk about dump downs. Everything was Jack. He threw like for 350 yards. God bless his receivers after the catch. 20 to 17, the most important part about this game is we're going to get to see the quarterbacks shake hands on Brownie the Elf. You're excited about that, Wally. I love it. Love it so much, so much. Tampa Bay, two and a half point favorites going to New Orleans, total 44 and a half. Steven, we're going to start with you this time. Tom Brady about to be divorced, not going to have a wife anymore. Is this the first time in five times he's played the Saints? He's going to get a win as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer? First off, if Giselle and Tom Brady get divorced, I feel bad for all of us NFL fans. That dude's playing until he's 60 or at least. Love is dead. Yeah, love is dead. I love love, but this love is dead. But like you said, Tom Brady has the longest losing streak to someone within the division in, the, in his career. He cannot beat the Saints. The only time he did it was in the playoffs on the way to the Super Bowl his first year here. Until proven otherwise, I'm going to ride with the Saints. Yes, I know it's Dennis Allen and not Sean Payton drawing up the game plan here this week. I understand that they're missing a couple of defensive players here. Surprisingly, Marcus May was playing this past week, and that threw me through a loop, Wally. But once again, until proven otherwise, I'm going to take New Orleans plus two and a half and their money lines. Not like Tom Brady had an amazing game last week with 212 yards, a tutty and an interception. Yeah, they're losing. They're using a lot of Julio Jones in that jet sweep aspect. And Leonard Fournette had a great game on the ground. But with that D-line in New Orleans against that hampered offensive line, I don't see Leonard Fournette having another great game like that. Man, oh, man. Saints, five in a row in the regular season. Book it. Mm, I don't think so. I can feel it in my bones that you're both right. <laughs> but I I won't bet against Tom Brady until he gets that divorce. For some reason, I just have a hunch that that's one of those statistics you read into too much. And suddenly, you know, the Bucks end up winning by by 15 points for all for all I know. Right. But I just think I, I'm not a believer. I'm really down on the saints this year, like really down. 
we the Falcons, I think everyone, everyone outside of Atlanta probably thought the Falcons weren't winning more than four games this year. And the Saints made that a shootout. I have a really hard time believing that the Bucs aren't 10 times the team that the Falcons are and aren't going to just run, just, just run it square through their teeth. Like I, it doesn't matter passing, running, whatever. I just, I have a hard time believing Tampa Bay is not going to win this game. I have, I I'm taking the favorite. I'm taking the two and a half for Tampa Bay and the money line. I think it's going to be more than three points in Tampa Bay's favor. What that means is, is that they'll lose again, but here we are. Uh, what I will say, not related to the betting, I think the downfall, the only way Tom Brady stops playing football and becomes bad at football is when he's single and is just a fucking wreaking havoc on the community as a single male who looks like he's 25 and is worth half a billion dollars. That's going to be the end of it. That's going to be like the Brett Favre send off where he's sending, you know, dick pics to the reporter. Uh, that's where I feel that's how that's I've now seen how Tom Brady's career ends and that's it. Like that's, that's where we're going. If he gets divorced, if Giselle leaves him, someone has to hide his children. That's all I have to say. We saw his over affection before. We don't need it now when he sat at home alone. Absolutely not. Max. Brady was four and one against the saints in his career with the new, uh, with the new England Patriots. Oh, and four. It's a stat everybody's talking about. Sean Payton's gone. It makes it feel like everything's different. Dennis Allen's still there. I don't think Dennis Allen's a head coach, but he's a solid defensive coordinator, and his defense has figured out Tom Brady. However it is, there's a ton of talent. I understand that. This, until we see this offense overcome the New Orleans Saints, it's going to be hard for me to pick them. And let's not forget Last week, they completely dominated Dallas, but they got in the end zone once. I'm going with New Orleans plus two and a half in money line. It's the only team I feel kind of justified picking against Tom Brady. And until it he can prove that in this organization, he can get it done against them. I'm going to keep going. Superdome gets it done. Superdome is bumping. Go Saints, go. Baker Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers try to get back on track as they go to New York against the Giants, one-and-a-half-point favorites, totals 43-and-a-half. I'll keep it here with me on this one, mix it up a little. The spread says this is a coin flip. That's probably true. I'm choosing to believe the hype in New York and Brian Dayball in this offense. I want to pick Baker. I want to see Carolina succeed. But I actually think that this is the week that the Giants start cementing themselves as the other team in the NFC East that the Philadelphia Eagles should be worried about. Kadarius Tony plays at least eight snaps and the New York Giants win by probably as many points. Giants minus one and a half in money line. Well, whoever wants it next can take it. I don't want to have to choose. Take it away, David. Oh, I ride with Baker and so I'm put in the insane asylum. So uh, Carolina plus one and a half and uh, Carolina money line. And that's, that's all I got because I hate this game a lot. There's no right or wrong here. It's a hard game to justify watching. That's for sure. Yeah. Are you going to watch it then David, just because of Baker? No, but I will have like the game cast on. I'll monitor it. There's no doubt, but I'm not suscepting myself to watching. I don't even know if I can. Like I might suscept myself if it's the only game I can get. 
I don't even know if like what's on at the same time or what I'm going to be shown, but I don't have like red zone or any of that. So and that, well, even I'm, if you had red zone, that's a kind of game that wouldn't be on it at all. Right. Right. So like I'm whatever's on TV, I'll watch and suscept myself to, but if I have a choice, that ain't one of them. VIP league.lc shout out to Wally for showing me that one. It's still, Hey, it's still going. I got all, all the four other games on my TVs working uh, via that Baker Mayfield is four and oh against NFC East opponents in his career. Take that with a grain of salt because loaded the defense. Sucks. <laughs> the NFC East is very, very bad, but yeah, the Cowboys eh, good. I don't even know if, I don't even know if the Cowboys were one of those teams. They might be, but cool, you beat both the New York teams and or you beat New York team, a Philly team that's been really bad the last couple of years in Washington, who's Washington. So take that with a grain of salt. I'm with Wally on this one. I'm riding with the Giants. I'm riding the hype train. I love what Brian Dayball is doing with this team here. Saquon looks back for at least the first 60 minutes of the NFL season. We'll see if he can play another NFL game. I like him to do some things here. Kadarius Tony eight snaps. Just saw a report that he's been practicing with the third string offense. Grinds my gears. I clapped back. I said, let me get this right. Reports out of this team said Kenny Galladay is as stiff as a mannequin running routes. He doesn't run block. And Kadarius Tony is with the third string offense. That doesn't make sense to me. But that being said, G-Men, money line, and the spread. What do you have to save with that, Wally? Because it looks like you wanted to add something, bud. No, I, I just couldn't believe that he's practicing with the third stringers when all preseason so they decide to hype him up. Hyped him up all preseason. We get to the regular season. He plays seven snaps. That's beyond me. God, I assume Dayball knows what he's doing, but I don't know. An offensive play caller that doesn't know what he's doing, Matt Patricia, is taking oh. the Tampa Bay – oh, I said Tampa Bay. I'm broken with New England and Tampa Bay. They're permanently synced together for me. But New England is a two-and-a-half-point road favorite going to Accrasure Stadium. The you Pittsburgh Steelers. saying Accrasure. Are you yes. just like – Perfect. Honestly, I forgot that they changed the names of the fields already because yeah, I just don't – I don't want to – I can't be bothered saying that shit. It's tough. That and Paycor are like hand-in-hand worst names for stadiums I've ever heard. But I need someone to explain to me why I'm crazy. The Steelers being two-and-a-half-point dogs at home with that defense, even without T.J. Watt, where are the points coming from? Can someone help me? Don't look at me because I'm I'm not going to be able to tell you where the points are coming from. Give me the Steelers plus two-and-a-half. Give me their money line at home. They still have that defense. They are better than the Miami Dolphins defense that not only scored a touchdown on a fumble recovery, also picked them off the opening drive, had another turnover, and only held them to that seven points, like you said. Mitch Trubisky this week. I think that Brian Flores is giving us good insight on how the Patriots would game plan for us. Don't forget about that. Again, they did nothing, nothing week one. I can't believe I'm taking Mitch Trubisky I'm backing him as a quarterback over someone else in an NFL game, that being Mac Jones and him and his back spasms, whatever they have. Give me the Steelers money line and plus two and a half. This is despicable. Mm, tough scenes here. Um, <laughs> I hate this game. This is my least favorite like line of the whole weekend. The only one I'm comfortable with is taking the under on 40 and a half total points. 
Uh, it's taking like everything I have not to pick New England in this matchup with Watt out. I just think about all the extra time, you know, Belichick's going to create for Mac Jones. And I'm not saying Mac Jones is great, but, you know, he's good enough to make it hurt when he's given time. Pit two and a half just seems like a really easy way to make money. So that's that's the way I'd go. But the only thing I'm confident about is there's no way both these teams are scoring enough to to get 41 total points. This is the NFL version of the Iowa Hawkeyes playing a football game. This is going to set football back 35 years. And that's I completely agree. The under is definitely to play here, but if I had to pick, I I do think that this is probably somewhat like a coin flip game as well, but this is two and a half points to a home dog with a great defense, and Mike Tomlin is an outstanding coach too. I love Bill Belichick. He's without a doubt the guy all time. We know it. Mike Tomlin is criminally slept on outside of every city. Pittsburgh's the only one where you get half the city hates him for some reason. And we all know why. I think you go with the Pittsburgh Steelers plus two and a half in the money line, hammer the under without a doubt. And 40 and a half might as well be 150 years away. Indianapolis Colts, four and a half point favorites in Duval, total 44 and a half. You know who won't be making the trip is Rodrigo Blankenship, who was waived on Tuesday after kicking two balls out of bounds in week one and missing a game-winning field goal in overtime. Does that worry you that they're going to be breaking in Chase McLaughlin? I know you know that name there, David. Four and a half points. Where are we going on this one? Uh, uh, all I'm saying here is Indy money line. Uh, I'm picking Indianapolis to win. It's I'm not confident either way. I just think the Colts are a better team. I I have more faith in Matt Ryan leading that team. In terms of field goal kicking situation, to be honest, there's maybe like seven teams in the NFL who have a kicker who I would pay a contract to and feel confident about it. I for some reason it just feels like it. Maybe it's just because I've paid attention to it, paid attention more to it over the years. Feels like kicking has gotten a lot worse and a lot less consistent. And I don't know why that is, but it just feels like there was a huge drop off at some point 10 years ago. And I I feel like there's only maybe five, five to seven kickers in the NFL that I'm like, you know what, that guy's great. Like that guy is going to be kicking for 20 years in the NFL for the same team. It's like the kickers. They they slimmed those goalposts. That's why they slimmed them, but it still doesn't make sense. Like, you know, half the kickers, like, Let's let's talk about Phil Dawson, right? Phil Dawson was an accurate kicker. He had no leg. Guy couldn't kick outside like 42 yards, but like he hit within well. But I just like it doesn't make sense to me. Maybe it's because every we're all getting these kickers that have boots and we're going further and further and further back. And it just feels like they're all inconsistent. But I don't know, man. I just feel like, you know, you go back to the heyday when we were growing up, it was like David Akers, Phil Dawson you know, even Mason Crosby early on, like just, just like all these big names that have either, you know, Mason Crosby's case that didn't end well, but all these guys just were, you know, names that I could, I, I, you, you pull a kicker out of a hat and it's like, yeah, I definitely trust that guy to get a 40 yarder. Now I'm like, there's a chance they could miss (laughs) like every, you know, 20, 25 quarterbacks. There's a chance they could all miss or uh, kickers. There's a chance they could all miss. Oh, they're missing they're missing PATs half the time, it feels like now. Right? 
it's the extremes I think of the kickers is that we kick 40 plus yard field goals at a much higher rate than we did back then. I wonder if that has anything to do with it as well. We used to either punt the ball at the 35 yard line in the NFL on like fourth and tens. It was 52 yarder. Well, let's just make sure we win field position. So I think that there's a lot of that to do with it, but I, there's probably credence as well that there's probably been some, maybe the stretching of the field and how far these guys can make it is making them a little bit less accurate, shorter, but getting to this game real quick. I think we're all going to overthink it. We all have those teams that like the Raiders, for instance, they can't play the chiefs. The Browns probably are like the Steelers. We can't beat them for some reason. The, for, I guess for you, Steven too, the 49ers don't want to rub throw some little salt there. Yeah, in the you, were, you were continuing on to your point or something. <laughs> Yeah, I saw the background and it reminded me to throw oh, that. That's right. Never mind. It's never mind. It's meant not to be. <laughs> Continue. My bad. Jacksonville always plays Indianapolis tough. Always do. And this is a better coach team than we've seen in a long time there. Doug Peterson's going to have the boys ready to play. I think Indianapolis showed last week just because of that fourth quarter doesn't mean they're a solid team. They had a lot of problems in the first three quarters of that game against a Farley or uh, very much inferior opponent in the Houston Texans. I'm going to take Jacksonville plus four and a half. I'm going to ironically take Indianapolis on the money line, perhaps on a game winning field goal. Everything's back good in Indy. Uh, I, I doubt that you've been hearing me saying it all off season. Shout out to my, my buddy at work here, Judah shook. The Colts have not beaten Jacksonville in Duval since 2015, since my dude was in high school, since he's been legally able to vote, he has not seen his Indianapolis Colts win in Jacksonville. And like you said, I like what Doug Peterson is doing. I saw glimpses that I liked in their first game here against the Washington Commies. And how am I supposed to feel confident in Indy? It's They took a step back further than where they were last year after the loss in Jacksonville with Carson Wentz. I don't like this this indie team right now. Maybe they'll get hot here a little bit later down in the season. Give me Jacksonville plus four and a half. And I'm out here. Give me Duval with the money line as well. Continue the streak of Indy not being able to win in the state of Florida, at least in Jacksonville. Cause I like to see Indianapolis Colts suffer. Cause all the only talk about is Matt Ryan. Now everything's different. No different quarterback. The last six years, same shit. The last six seasons, Miami, Headed to Baltimore this weekend where the Ravens are three and a half point favorites, a total set at 44 and a half. I'm going to stick it here with me. I'm going to continue with my hot takes. Give me Miami plus three and a half and give me that money line. Dolphins after week one kind of find themselves in bottom four of the rush defense, something Lamar and that Ravens offense loves to do, but they're seventh overall in total defense. Take that as you will. It's, it's off 60 minutes of playing. So I don't know how much you can really weigh into that. But if they can keep Lamar in the pocket, you can win that game. Stop me if you heard that before because it's very difficult to keep that dude in the pocket. Make him make throws. Lamar didn't do anything outside of one or two plays on Sunday against the Jets. He didn't really do anything. It was lackluster. Tua is 7-3-1 against the spread as an underdog, and I'm taking their money line here again. Book that one, Wally. This is my team. I have to ride with them regardless. I know David's with me with taking them over the Ravens because he hates the Ravens. 
Doesn't mean Let's he's go, gonna baby. pick. He's gonna be on the right side of history. I can feel Fins it. Fins up. Fins up. I'm rooting for the Dolphins, if that means anything. But if I'm putting my money on the line, it's Baltimore three and a half and the money line. <laughs> oh, Steven, that must burn. You got some icy hot over there, huh? Uh, I'm good, baby. I just like Baltimore is the better team. They counter everything that Miami does well. Like, I don't know. I, I, I'll I, never – I don't think I'll ever pick Miami after watching Tua miss Tyreek by 15 yards uh, on, bad. like, a throw. That where was he unbelievable. Wasn't, he wasn't pressured. He – Literally, he wasn't throwing off his back foot. Like, he stepped into it, and he still missed him by 15 yards. And I just – I'll never – I don't – like, after seeing that, I'll never be a believer in Tua ever again. Like, I just – it's just – that is such a – that is probably the worst throw I've ever seen, and I'm not quite sure how it happened. Oh, great. Now you're going to have Tua non coming after you. Great job. I know. I know. But you're right. The Baltimore Ravens are going to win. They're going to cover. But the under 44 and a half – is a lock. I mean, Todd, this is such a quarterback. It's a fascinating quarterback matchup. It's fascinating because you do have both of these guys that have uh, time and time again, almost showed their inability to throw the ball, but we defend them tooth and nail. Lamar, at least his athletic ability makes sense. He can change the game with his feet. Tua, where's this coming from? Since his hip injury at Alabama, he's not been the same player. I don't know how we're, we're supposed to believe that Miami's going to go into Baltimore and score enough points to win this game. 44 and a half is crazy. There better be two defensive scores. Vegas is on to something. I don't know what it is, but neither of these quarterbacks are going to do well. But the Ravens are going to do well enough to cover and win. That's where I'm at on that. Yeah. Hammer the under. Atlanta, the Dirty Birds, going to L.A., going to SoFi, where the defending champs are going to actually try to look like a football team this week. They're 10 and a half point favorites. That's half a point more than they scored last Thursday night. Totals 45 and a half. Where are we looking at this game? Do we think that defending Super Bowl champions start looking like the defending Super Bowl champions, or is there real problems down there in Southern California? Rams money line. Gut says they'll win by 20. Doesn't feel right to bet on. So I'm just taking the Rams money line because 10 and a half is an outrageously large, like point spread to cover. Very fair. All the better reason to take the Atlanta Falcons plus 10 and a half, David, just like your boy is right here. Atlanta, for some reason, always finds themselves in games they don't deserve to be competitive in. They're typically at the end of the season when everything's done. They're out of the playoffs mathematically, yada, yada, and, and eliminated. Double-digit double home favorites. This isn't going to vote well for me. 23-10-3 against the spread last year. So this is the first one that we're going to have underneath our belt here. Owen one's all I need to go. The Rams' offense didn't really leave a great taste in my mouth after watching that. Their offensive line is in shambles. I, they had an injury to the offensive line. Allen Robinson was targeted once. Expect him to have a bounce back game. You know, Sean McVay's kind of put an emphasis on that this week. You know what? Atlanta's defense was doing a little bit of something until the fourth quarter. They decided to blow it. Can't fully blame it on the defense. There has to be more people than that, but that's neither here nor there. I really want to take the Rams, but they came out so sluggish last week that, yes, everything's pointing to them exploding in this game, and I'm sure it's going to happen. But you know what? Fuck it. Atlanta plus 10 and a half. Give me the Rams money line, of course. 
but Atlanta to cover, and then we're really going to be scratching our heads about what the hell Sean McVay is doing down there. I'm not touching the money line because I don't feel like there's enough value for the risk. I, I think the Rams win by a whole lot, but I can also see them really starting to establish that they are a little bit of a pretender this year, perhaps. I, I, the Falcons put on a very brave face week one. We see this happen a lot where really bad teams play motivated after they've been told that they're going to be the worst team in NFL history all offseason. And then something like last week happens. You blow a 16-point fourth quarter lead. I could see them just imploding this week, and I'm betting on that. So I'm taking the Rams minus 10.5, and that's it. And by the way, fantasy Cam Akers owners, this is your last shot. You got lucky Kyron Williams is out. Geno Smith, perhaps the best quarterback in the NFL, is going into San Francisco, eight and a half point underdogs. Second year, Elijah Mitchell was, was placed on IR with an MCL sprain. He'll be out probably at least eight weeks. On that run, he had hurt last week. I just wanted to make this a note because I thought it was crazy. He became the fastest 49er to ever hit 1,000 yards in a career in his 12th game. Really tough time for an injury. It's a pretty cool accomplishment. San Francisco didn't look great last week in Chicago. I know they lost by nine, but it was a monsoon. Are you going to ignore that and say that that was a situational thing? Or is San Francisco falling apart? Steve, we'll go to you first. Eight and a half. Who are you going with? Well, I would call it an act of God. You know, it's almost like an insurance claim. You have a tree that falls in your car. It's an act of God. Shit like that, right? That this goes for Chicago and San Fran. He tossed his games out the window. Don't look too much into Chicago winning it. Don't look too much into San Fran losing the game. I saw this that Seattle had the best O line blocking grade this past week for Geno Smith. I thought that was insane. How funny is that? Double. That is, I don't think they've gotten a grade so high they have never seen that in the career of Russell Wilson being there for a decade. They go up against a division rival with a better pass rush than what they were just dealing with. Denver's still a good pass rush. But I like San Fran's a little bit more. Jamal Adams, yes, I know it's out. But I think the Seahawks are going to be riding this high a little bit. Once you kind of see that coach just preach certain things, and you're kind of like, yeah, 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 whatever. And then they, it kind of falls through, and then you end up winning. You start to kind of trust this coach a little bit more. I feel like this is going to be a unique, bad team in the NFL, almost like the Lions of last year where they are competitive. They've ruined, they've ruined a lot of bets. But, damn, those players love playing for the coach. Yeah, maybe Pete Carroll's kind of on his way out. But I like Seattle a bit competitive against a San Fran team that's still trying to find their bearings offensively and as a team as a whole. Seattle plus eight and a half, San Fran money line. Geno Smith sucks. I just want to hammer that Geno Smith sucks. That's really all I want to talk about. But San Francisco money line, Seattle covers. I, I wonder that's, why. That's all I got. Yeah, exactly. Geno Smith's going to be the reason they cover. I hate you so much. <laughs> I'm taking San Francisco money line. I'm suspicious on Trey Lance. I really am. But if he looks good and they win this game, I'll start buying stock slowly but surely back in. But I think that something's off in San Francisco. I don't know what it is. I'm with you. But, like, at the same time, I'm, like, people I trust, and this is so dumb to say out loud, but, like, you know, Ben Albright on Twitter, like people I actually Love trust because they're right 90% of the time. He was tweeting last last weekend during the game. He's like, there are pockets of time where you just see the Trey Lance stardom. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, I think he sucks. But like, maybe I'm missing something like I, you know, like maybe I'm just missing 
what what people who believe in him are seeing and that's very possible because i'm no nfl scout like i'm just some guy in in you know northeast ohio watching games but you know it's just like i don't know i'm with i don't see the the stardom in trey lance but i'll believe the people i trust and i'll i'll he can maybe become something but i just think that game's a lot closer than than a whatever eight and a half point spread that it's currently at god it's it's the Kyle Shanahan stuff for me. The fact that his camp is leaking things that I didn't want Trey Lance, it sounds like he's putting an insurance policy out there already that he doesn't see it. And he's practicing. He sees this probably more than anybody else in the league. So I, I'm just nervous. It's, it's not worthy of completely abandoning ship on the 49ers, but it's worth putting on your radar, so to speak. Cincinnati is going to Dallas. They're seven and a half point favorites. Totals 42 and a half. The Cowboys are in shambles, guys. Dak Prescott, he's not going to be playing. Obviously, Gallup, James Washington, Tyron Smith, all the big names are out. But they're also missing starting safety. Jiren Curse, Terrell Basham, Connor McGovern, all also out Sunday. I can't find a way that this isn't a blowout. You got a pissed off Cincinnati Bengals team coming in. I have the score 34-10 when I picked this. I, I really don't know how the, the Cowboys even stay within a touchdown here. I'm with you. Put all your money, lock it in. Cincinnati, at least a money line. I'm taking – I'm with you, Wally. I think it's going to be a blowout. However, because I am a Browns fan and I hate the rest of the division, if Cincinnati finds a way to lose this game, you can bet on Joe Burrow being a one-hit wonder. Fuck the Bengals and go Browns. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad that wasn't biased at all. Um, I'm going to go with the bang. I think this is a clean sweep here. Bengals spread, Bengals money line. Cooper Rush can make Eli Apple look like a competent third-string cornerback. Um, they're just going to be hungry off that ass-beating that they took. The offense, especially the ass-beating that they took there um, at home against Pittsburgh. Yes, Micah Parsons, dog, licking his chops at what – at the tape of what the Steelers are doing to that offensive line, but you guys are not the Steelers defense. It's this is going to be an ugly game, a game that I hope doesn't even flash across my red zone. Give me the Cincy money line. Give me the Cincy spread. We're on to the next one. Uh, the undefeated Houston Texans are traveling to mile high to face the Denver Broncos. So the Broncos are nine and a half point favorites. The total set at 40, 45 and a half. I have more confidence in the Denver offense than Indies, but after the loss to Seattle, do I feel a slow start cooking up for Russ? Now I think Denver bounces back in, in a big way. That Denver defense is going to give Davis mill fits all game. Russ Wilson's opening game there in Denver. The feeling is going to be electric and they have the best home field advantage of all. David could do a test with the high altitude. Give me the Broncos minus nine and a half. Give me the Denver money line. Give me the over 44 and a half. I'm keeping it easy with this one. I'm a little shocked with Houston and the Colts. God, I don't know why I'm doing this because I'm going to be wrong. But uh, Houston covers the nine and a half and Denver wins the game. I just I don't know why I believe in Houston after that Colts game, but I do. You could have told me Houston was going 0 and 17 and I'd have believed you, but like I, I don't know. 10 points seems like a lot for a team that surprised everyone against Indianapolis. So I'm taking Houston covers and Denver wins. 
I hate so much that the three of us are in lockstep on this game because I thought I was so smart to take Houston plus nine and a half. And the fact that all three of us are doing it just tells you that Vegas you is wrong. No, I, yeah. I, I saw mine to the Broncos. You, just, <laughs> you know we're Oh, you will. Thank you. Steven, you switch yours to the Broncos. Cool, Dave. We're going to win this bet. Hammer it. <laughs> nine and a half. I'm, I've got the Davis Mills fever. I got the fever. 24-21. You take Denver to cover or to, to win. Take the money line. But Houston is going to keep this close. I don't know why, but I'm buying Davis Mills. I think Pierce is going to get a lot more action this week. A lot of uh, reports coming out of Houston that they weren't happy with how little he touched the ball. This week, it's going to be a focal point. If any of what they said coming out of camp is true, he looks really good. So I'm going here. I'm going with Houston. Plus nine and a half, Denver Moneyline. Which brings me to my Raiders. They're four and a half point home favorites against the Arizona Cardinals. Total 51 and a half. Everything in my head tells me that the Raiders are going to cover this game, guys. But everything in my heart is telling me that I'm going to have to clench my ass for three hours. This is going to be way too hard. I've gone back and forth literally five times this week over who's going to cover this game. But I'm going to put my money and I'm going to put my trust in Derek Carr yet again. I think he has a huge comeback performance after three picks last week. Everybody's starting to, oh my God, here we go. The Raiders are going to disappoint again. Not this time. Derek Carr, take Devontae, take the Raiders, minus four and a half money line. I am so confident in a Raiders W. And, and I love you. Go Raiders. I think they cover. I'm taking the Raiders money line. And the reason why. And this relates to my prop bet later, and I'm only going to say it now because there might be a chance that I'm not here, that I have to leave the podcast early. But Derek Carr thrives against the Blitz. And you can go back, you can, you know, I, I don't have the statistics on hand, but he threw something like, like the two games where they blitzed him last season over 30% of the plays. He had like 360 plus yards passing and like two or three plus touchdowns both games. Arizona's defensive coordinator blitzed Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL, probably of in history, 51% of plays last week. I don't care if that was a strategy. There's no way he's not blitzing Derek Carr at least 30% of his plays. And I'm just taking Derek Carr against the blitz. He's shown it year after year. He's really good under pressure. And his his passing yards uh, projection is 282 and a half. Hammer the over. Hammer the over on that. That's my prop bet. Lock it in in case I'm not here to say it later. Lock it in. Go Raiders. I love you so much. It's, Steven, you can go to hell for your background. It's double XP weekend on Call of Duty, which means, of course, the Raiders are going to win money line. And give me the Raiders at – the moved four and a half. I'm taking them at five and a half. I'm going to take them at four and a half. And if it's not a double XP weekend, Kyler will probably go to the sports book, bet on MLG, Major League Gaming. And yes, you can actually bet on that. It's fucking insane. Chandler Jones back against his old team, wants to sack his infant, his, his former infant quarterback. There's no takeaways from the game last week. They got spanked. Yes, it's all about how you're going to react after getting knocked down. I think you're just going to get knocked right back down again. I like what this pass rush and Mad Max and, and Chandler Jones is going to do, and they're going to be ready. Pin those years back. Get after the quarterback. I think this is going to be easy. Raiders, five and a half. 
Give me that money line. And now we're on to my boys, which I don't like to talk about too much. Chicago Bears. The undefeated Chicago Bears going to the defeated Lambeau Field against the Green Bay Packers where the Packers are nine-and-a-half-point favorites. The total set to 41-and-a-half. Aaron Rodgers, 21-7 against the spread as against the Bears all time. He still fucking owns you. You can take last week's game, throw it away, or put it on the field, let it wash away with all the flooding that it had there. I'm looking for Green Bay's defense to actually play this week, unlike of what they played last week. Based on everything that was coming out of camp, that's not the team that we were looking at on that side of the ball or that unit that we're looking at on that side of the ball on Sunday. I expect them to become ready to play in the NFL's oldest rivalry in the 254th game of the rivalry, something like that. Wow. Green Bay's that's defense is going to get – they're going to get ready to just get this this media monkey off their back and start bashing some people. Give me Green Bay minus nine and a half. Give me Green Bay money line. And fuck it, I'll throw the over in there as well. I'm the frog in the pot. You know when you, you grow up in elementary school and you slowly boil a frog, apparently it's too stupid to jump out. It'll boil to death. I am the frog with Justin Fields. And I saw enough last week. Numbers weren't going to be good last week. And I, I hope that people understand that. But you saw the glimpses in those times that make me buy back in. It's the every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. The Packers are going to win this game. But it's going to be close. I think this is tight late. And who knows? Maybe with their spiritual leader, Alex Leatherwood, going down to mononucleosis, the Bears come back and get the job done. Not betting it, though. But the Chicago Bears, plus nine and a half. Green Bay money line, that's fine. I should leave it off. That's too much for risk. In fact, I am. It has been revoked. The Bears plus nine and a half. Still think the Packers win, but not confident enough to bet it with that kind of value. I'm in the same boat. Uh, Chicago plus nine and a half. Uh, I think Chicago covers that, but Green Bay money line. I, Chicago surprised me um, week one. And the Packers woes against the Vikings make me think it's going to be like three or four weeks before they hit a rhythm and and become the Packers we have always seen year after year with Aaron Rodgers. But uh, I definitely think this is going to be closer than 10 points. So Aaron Rodgers will always own the Bears, but I just don't think he covers this spread. Yeah, I I think that's fair. I do think they get it. The dog, the dob done. The Romeo Dobbs done. That's what's going to happen. There you go. Ro- oh, Romeo Dobbs game. You heard it here first from Wally. Yeah. Hey, who knows? I mean, I don't see why not. They're going to get it done though. Tennessee at Buffalo, nine and a half point favorites, 48 and a half is the total on the heels of losing Harold Landry for the year. Deshaun hand towards quad Sunday as well. And will also be out for the year. The Titans are frauds guys. The bills by nine and a half. I don't know how else to say this. I am so low on the Titans. The Bills are turning back the clock to 1990. They're going to win this game by 153, and I'm back on the Allen train. Apologies to Buffalo. I was an idiot. I hope you welcome me back in. The Bills are the truth. Covering easy. Take the money line, too. It's worth the risk on the value because the Titans ain't got a chance in hell to win this game. Mm, Buffalo Buffalo definitely covers the spread and the money line, and I'm taking the over on 48.5 because I actually believe in the Titans. Don't think they're frauds. Don't think they're as good as I thought they were going to be. But I think that offense can still play. Uh, Plus, you can always count on a bad game here or there from Buffalo. Who knows if that's this week or 
seven weeks down the road, you know, Buffalo handed it to the Rams. So I'll definitely put my faith in a route of the Titans for them. I just, they scored 31, what is it, 31 against the Rams. I'm taking the over on that 48 and a half because I, I think Tennessee can score. Bills Mafia still riding high from their opening night victory. They haven't seen them. And now you're going, I, I think this is an underrated aspect of it. Not only did they win big, but now they're going to a home opener where now the fans are even more excited because they're starting off the season, not only being the Super Bowl champs, but one and out, almost in the driver's seat. And it's all this hype of them being the Super Bowl favorites in their eyes. It all makes sense now. Yep. That's them. They're going to do it. They looked unstoppable. Tennessee's defense almost gave up 400 total yards of offense to the New York Giants, the New York football Giants, if you're not familiar with them. Yeah, Saquon had an amazing game, but I just don't trust this defense. I'm kind of, I'm in between both of you guys. I'm not going to go as far as a fraud, but I'm not very confident in this team at all. I'm one foot in, one foot out, as I like to say. Traveling to Buffalo for their home opener, Godspeed to you, Tennessee. Give me Buffalo minus nine and a half. Give me their money line. Or no, give me Buffalo nine and a half, and then I'm taking the over as well at 49 and a half. 48 and a half because it moved. Give me the extra point. I'll take that. The last game here on the slate, we have the Monday night game, which I'd argue I wish it was the Kansas City Chiefs and the, and the Chargers, but this is a pretty damn good one. The Minnesota Vikings travel to the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles are one and a half point favorites. Total set at 52 and a half. I've been going back and forth constantly about this game. I don't know how I feel, who I should vote for. Yes, Minnesota's D did look good against Green Bay, but they also were missing two starting tackles and a bunch of nobodies in the wide receiving core. For the record, Christian Watson burnt Patrick Peterson. I'm just saying. On the other hand, Philly just gave up 35 points to the Detroit Lions. You know what? I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings to continue their little, little bit of a hot start here of the season. Give me Minnesota plus one and a half. Give me their money line. Justin Jefferson coming to run it back, do it again, another 100-plus yard game for the kid. David just left. He had to go and take, I believe he had a dinner here, so we will have him back again on Monday to talk more. I'll give you my last pick here, and then we will do our prop lock and drop it and get out of here. In honor of America's senile grandfather, Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. Philadelphia wins this game, minus one and a half. You hammer the money line. It's the game of the week, and I tell you what, I'm so excited to watch this one. This is one I almost yeah. would be fine to even lose money on. It really made Little Wally move when I saw that this was the Monday night game. I think the Eagles win 28-24, but I seriously just want to be entertained. It looks like such a fun matchup on paper. Fly, Eagles, fly. I'm officially basically one of you scumbag Philadelphia people. I'm in. I'm in on this team. I, I like how none of us brought up the fact of Kirk Cousins' record in primetime games because this is the one he's he's going to get it. Uh-huh. He's going to get it on this one. I promise. Uh-huh. With that, let's move it on to our last segment here, our prop lock and drop. It, where each week we give you a prop bet that we like, an absolute lock of a game, and the drop, the game that we want to stay, stay away from the most. Wally, I will toss it over to you for a little redemption week. I will read off David's first real quick, just make it easy. He's yep. going on the over, which he hinted at during the Las Vegas and Arizona preview. He's taking the over on Derek Carr's passing yard, whatever the line is, thrives against the 282 and a half. Perfect. He has that. Like someone else who may or may not be me, his lock is Cincinnati minus seven and a half at Dallas. 
which is a lot I know on the road, but I like the pick, and drop Pittsburgh and New England. He just says everything about betting on this game smells like regret, which fair enough. For me, you take Allen Robinson's yards, touchdown, I don't care what it is. If it has to do with him, it's going to happen this week. You were hinting at it, Stephen. Sean McVay heard all the news. He's not an idiot. He doesn't want this to become a problem in the locker room. He's going to be the number one priority this week, even if it means they don't look as sharp on offense. Cooper Cup is a smart guy. He's going to understand it. Hammer Allen Robinson and everything. The Bengals are the lock of the week. There's not a chance in hell they win this game by less than 10 to me. So you hammer to minus seven and a half, and you drop Carolina at the Giants because that's a gross game. Could really go either way. And simply, I would... I'd prefer to lose it. I want Baker to win, but I just don't see it happening. Just throw that game out. It's burned. Bury it. It's dead. Steven, your prop lock and drop. So my prop this week, I have Miles Jack over seven and a half solo plus assist tackles. I got that at plus 104. So anytime you see a plus money on that, Miles Jack is going to be an intricate part of this defense now that J.J. Watts out. They brought him in. Brian Flores is going to use him as that guy that just kind of go all around the line. We know this guy's a stud. We know what he was able to do in Jacksonville. I think now we can kind of bring into this defense. And, of course, you're always going to miss T.J. Watt. But maybe kind of soften the blow here a little bit. Over seven and a half solo and assisted tackles for Miles Jack at one, plus 104. My lock of the week, Miami Dolphins three and a half and money line. I've been riding them so long ever since the Tyree trade, Mike McDaniel hire. I've been very high on the Miami Dolphins. That's not going to stop anytime soon until proven otherwise. Lock of the week, Miami money line in the plus three and a half. And my drop, game we just actually talked about. I know I was kind of high on picking Minnesota against the Philadelphia Eagles. What Kirk Cousins' record is in prime time, it's also not good, so don't look that up. I want to drop away from it. This is one where, yes, I'd enjoy losing money on it, but I can, this is a game that I don't need money on it to enjoy it. I completely agree. I love it. think that's a great idea there, Stephen. With that, that's going to bring us to an end of another episode of Loss of Down, our week two preview. Make sure to check us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Loss of Down and Twitter, down underscore loss. Shout out to our sponsors, tabbies.com. Make sure you use promo code football for 20% off that order, as well as free shipping. And abbyturnercreative.com, your one-stop marketing agency for every damn thing. While he's trying to get some sort of medical marijuana pen to work, it's one of these like legal ones you can buy here in PA, the Delta eight, Delta nine stuff. Figure now that we're about done, I can actually hit this and get a little spaced out to watch Kirk Herb street call an NFL football game for the first time in like a, a, an established role, not like a one-off on like yes. Christmas Eve with Chris Fowler. So I'm actually excited. I don't know what to make of this Amazon football thing, but the I'll give them this, the sound, the, the music for it, it sounds like a mashup of all the football songs for primetime across all the platforms. I'm interested. I'm interested. With that, I need to go get my wings. Kickoff is here in about 45 minutes. Stop fucking with my wing time, Wally. Peace. Fair enough. Adios, guys. Adios, guys.